conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. As the clock ran out on Trump's presidency in those last few days, I, like many other of the president's supporters, was finally forced to accept that the plot to remove Trump from office had succeeded and Joe Biden would be sworn in to office as the nation's 46th president on January 20. It was a bitter pill to swallow, as most of us continue to firmly believe the election was stolen and Trump actually won, won it big time. And now the political left, which absolutely controls the Democratic Party, mainstream media, and big tech, along with many other societal institutions like nonprofits and foundations, is drunk with its newly acquired power and pushing hard for all sorts of draconian, communistic laws and policies. Despite all the gloom and depression many Trump supporters have experienced, myself included, I'm not ready to give up on the republic yet. I'll have more to say on what our plan should be to take back the country and defeat the communists and globalists toward the end of this program. It will be a daunting task. Immediately after taking office, Joe Biden made it clear he's a conduit for the leftist and oligarch globalist ideas with his signing of numerous executive orders, reversing Trump's policies and taking the nation from an America first goal to America last and the march toward world government and totalitarianism. Every day we see more and more left-wing madness taking over the country. Today, for example, I read that Biden administration had ordered ICE to release all illegal aliens in its custody, including the many convicted criminals it had. This is all part of a plot to utterly destroy the country. We must not let that happen. We'll hear from conservative commentator and pollster Dick Morris a little later on his take of what we can expect from the Biden presidency. But Morris has also forecast a, quote, reign of terror, unquote, from the left against conservatives in an attempt to silence all dissent and opposition to their destructive ideas and goals. Already we are seeing the beginnings of this. Any further talk of election fraud and the myriad allegations concerning the 2020 election has been banned by big tech and will get your YouTube channel, Twitter account, or Facebook page deleted. Nutcase leftists in and out of Congress are calling for charging charging people, bringing up the subject of election fraud and the legitimacy of Biden's presidency with crimes. Another call is for communist-like re-education for those on the political right. Can you imagine this? We'll have to see how far this will go, but it's only natural for Trump supporters to be dismayed and, frankly, fearful of what the future may hold for us, especially now that we realize our judiciary is largely compromised in favor of the left. As we saw from the many legal actions alleging vote and election fraud these past few months, the left's obsession with silencing all discussion of election fraud is how you can tell it's indeed real. They have to hide what they did. The U.S. Senate is now proceeding with a post-presidency impeachment trial of President Trump. It's been argued that it's unconstitutional and illegal to try to impeach a president after he's left office, but there are many who say that it is constitutional, and that certainly isn't deterring the Senate. We can expect the courts, particularly the U.S. Supreme Court, to support those senators hell-bent to remove the threat of another Trump presidency once and for all. 
I'm sad to say. It seems likely at this point, since the Constitution is being more and more viewed as a relic of the past that must be swept aside so that the left's vaunted new world order can be imposed on the helpless former citizens of our nation who will no longer have the individual rights and freedoms they have taken for granted up to this point. Here's some audio from a recent Lunch Alert program video by Dick Morris posted on his website, dickmorris.com, about what he believes we can expect from President Joe Biden. Play sound by one, please. Biden was elected really almost as a dark horse, a well-known but yet unknown candidate, because we don't know what incarnation he's going to be. Will he be a reincarnation of the moderate, sometimes conservative Joe Biden that served in the Senate? Will he be the uh, vague dark horse that doesn't take any position at all and just criticizes Trump that he was during the election? Or will he be the captive of the extreme left that basically nominated him and got him elected, such as it was. I believe that Joe Biden is basically a moderate trying to get out of his liberal costume, but will be unable to do so and will be forced to govern from the extreme left. In the Senate, Biden was a moderate. In fact, he was known as one of the few Democrats that could work with Republicans. And I think he'd like to govern that way. I think that's why he selected a cabinet of moderates on Newsmax, they asked me what I thought of Biden's team. I said, well, it's not an all-star team. It's not even a real team. I think it's more like old-timers day. And uh, having appointed basically retreads and longtime bureaucrats to these positions, I think that it's an administration programmed to maintain the status quo. But on the other hand, Biden can't do that because his base is so far to the left, so intent on major revolution. And frankly, so conscious that they only have two years in power, that they're going to lose the election of 22 and they better pass everything while they now have control by even the narrowest of margins. But because their margins are so close, five votes in the House and only the vice president's vote in the Senate, they have to round up every last vote to pass anything. They can eliminate the filibuster rule in the Senate. I'm sure they will. But then they'll still need 51 votes to pass anything. That is to say 50 plus Harris. And the problem is that that means he's hostage to the most left-wing member of the party. Because if Ossoff or uh, Warnock, the Georgia senators, won't go along, or some of the other crazies in this caucus won't go along, he's sunk. He's got to round up every last vote. And with a margin of five in the House, he basically is the captive of the Black Caucus, uh, and he's going to have to do everything that they say. So I think we need to look forward to a president who is very weak, can't really get anything accomplished, would like to govern from the center but can't, and will constantly be forced to the left. There was a small but significant indication of what the process is going to be under Biden. When the issue came to his attention of whether to join the Trump administration's position uh, in favor of women athletes, particularly at the high school and college level, who said that they were being discriminated against by being forced to compete with transgender athletes that used to be male and now say that they're female. Uh, and that the transgender athletes are usually stronger, faster and bigger than the actual female athletes are, and that therefore they can't get onto teams, they can't be selected to the Olympics, and they can't really have a full career. This basically pit the old feminist movement 
and on behalf of girls against the LBGTQ movement in favor of transgenders. It was a very interesting choice. And Biden chose to do the opposite of what Trump did. He chose to stand with the trans, transgender community and against the, the traditional view of feminists. So whatever his inclination as moderate, he was forced to take a position on the left by his constituency. This is going to happen over and over again. Dick Morris believes the left only has two years to accomplish their agenda since he expects Republicans to retake the House and Senate in 2022. But that will be impossible. I'm sorry, that will be possible only if we can fix the rampant election fraud we saw so much evidence of in last year's election. And also in this year's election, I would say, in Georgia there, that runoff with it, we've got the two radical left-wing senators elected. If they can throw elections, the country as we know it is dead. And that's exactly what they want. With a mass censorship bringing down an iron curtain of sorts on conservative voices and dissent, it's much harder right now to get new information about the election fraud allegations and developments regarding what the state legislatures in the key states, queen states are doing to deal with it. I'm expressing my opinion here, of course, since widespread election and vote fraud have not been conclusively proven yet. In court case after court case brought by Trump campaign and other, others such as pro-Trump attorney Sidney Powell, judge after judge refused to even hear or consider the massive evidence about it, such as testimony from just some of the approximately 1,000 election workers and others who provided affidavits under penalty of perjury about what they saw. Instead, these judges largely sidestepped the issues, telling the Trump campaign lawyers and others they, that their concerns about mail-in ballot fraud were too early before the election and then too late after it, that the courts lacked jurisdiction or the plaintiffs didn't have standing or the plaintiffs' arguments lacked merit and so on. As Trump campaign lawyer Rudy Giuliani has stated, the campaign has yet to even be given the opportunity to present the evidence before a court. This is another strong indication they are really afraid of even seeing this stuff. But why? Why are they so afraid? What caused this? We have to find out. Although the Supreme Court still has cases related to election fraud before it, the court has refused to consider these cases until after Biden's inauguration, given that the three and given that the three new justices sided with anti-Trump Chief Justice John Roberts and the three leftist justices in ruling that Texas and 17 other states lacked standing to bring a case before the court challenging the electoral results in the swing states, it seems most likely these three will again display the shocking abrogation of their constitutional authority and again side with the left on the court to dismiss these lawsuits on the grounds the issues are moot since Biden is now president or due to some other ridiculous reasoning. How could these three new justices, whom Trump fought so hard for, now just abandon their oath of office, the Constitution, the nation. I'm sorry, but I cannot logically see why Texas and the other states lack standing to bring their challenge to the election over the fraud allegations. Here's Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer, speaking at the great MAGA rally in Washington, D.C. on January 6th regarding the problems in Georgia and how the same circumstances that led to the narrow Biden win there produced the wins for the two radical leftist senators – Ossoff and Warnock. Giuliani said recently that some 
Well, he's, I thought he said – I heard him say 165,000 underage people voted illegally in Georgia. I, I also heard uh, the gentleman he was speaking with at the rally, uh, spoke after him, uh, Professor, law professor John uh, Eastman, say it was 66,000 in a hearing before a, a Georgia Senate committee. But in any event, um, this is what the leftist radical Stacey Abrams had in mind to combat the ridiculous claim of voter suppression. Play soundbite two, please. If they ran such a clean election, why wouldn't they make all the machines available immediately? If they ran such a clean election, they'd have you come in and look at the paper ballots. Who hides evidence? Criminals hide evidence. Not honest people. So, over the next 10 days... We get to see the machines that are crooked, the ballots that are fraudulent, and if we're wrong, we will be made fools of. But if we're right, a lot of them will go to jail. So, let's have trial by combat. I'm willing to stake, I'm willing to stake my reputation the president is willing to stake his reputation on the fact that we're going to find criminality there. Is Joe Biden willing to stake his reputation that there's no crime there? No. Also, last night, one of the experts that has examined these crooked Dominion machines has absolutely what he believes is conclusive proof that in the last 10%, 15% of the vote counted, the votes were deliberately changed by the same algorithm that was used in cheating President Trump and Vice President Pence. Same algorithm, oh, same shit. system, really? same thing was done with the same machines. You noticed they were ahead until the very end, right? Then you noticed there was a little gap. One was ahead by 3%. The other was ahead by 2% and gone, gone. They were even. He can take you through that and show you how they programmed that machine from the outside to accomplish that. And they've been doing it for years to favor the Democrats. It is a matter of scientific proof. We need two days to establish that. It'd be a shame if that gets established after it's over, wouldn't it be? This was the worst election in American history. This election was stolen in its seven states. They picked states where they had crooked democratic cities, where they could push everybody around. And it has to be vindicated to save our republic. This is bigger than Donald Trump. It's bigger than you and me. It's about these monuments and what they stand for. This has been a year in which they have invaded our freedom of speech, our freedom of religion, our freedom to move, our freedom to live. I'll be darned if they're going to take away our free and fair vote. And we're going to fight to the very end to make sure that doesn't happen. And let me ask Professor Eastman to explain as easily as we can. I know this is complicated, but what happened last night how they cheated and how it was exactly the same as what they did on November 3rd. This is big news. 
Now, you heard Giuliani talk of trial by combat, quote-unquote, to get the election fraud allegations out before the public and the courts. I have no doubt he was not advocating any kind of violence, as we're, and the same thing goes for all the people there, particularly the president. In fact, the timeline of the riot at the Capitol shows that the violence had already started there before Trump even began finished speaking. The soundbite ended with Giuliani introducing law professor John Eastman, who discussed allegations of computer and internet vote fraud switching, not only during the uh, presidential race, but also during the the race the day before, uh, where uh, the radical leftists Warnock and Ossoff were elected to senatorial positions from Georgia. For doing that, Eastman was forced to retire from his tenured position with Chapman University after an outcry by students, faculty, and trustees. So much for the now vanishing right to express your opinions under the Constitution. And yet another example of that, of the incredible hypocrisy of the left, it's now not okay to challenge Biden's election while it sure was to challenge Trump's. And Julian and Eastman's comments were made to a peaceful gathering of several hundred thousand Trump supporters in D.C. The same, at the same time, the mob, instigated, we now know, by, and led by radical leftists and anarchists, probably directed by others, almost certainly under the direction, as I said, under, under the same forces overseeing the election fraud, or at least connected. I wouldn't be surprised. And as I said, these were um, instigated. That they were riot. That were the, the people that were rioting at the Capitol were representative. Where representatives and senators were debating and counting electoral votes. We now know that hundreds of Antifa and Black Lives Matter radicals, you know, the ones who are so praised all the time by the, our, our our wonderful congressional people, Democrats, that these people were had planned to and did in fact infiltrate the Trump supporters heading to the Capitol for peaceful protests outside of it. These radicals suckered some hapless Trump supporters into, into joining them in forcing their way into the Capitol building, although they were allowed in to start up to a point from the outside. And this resulted in the shooting death of Trump supporter Ashley Babbitt. Although the ob- it's obvious to me that Giuliani was speaking metaphorically when he used the term trial by combat, and merely meant that we should all keep on fighting to get the truth out to the American people and their elected representatives. I expect that the corrupt D.C. establishment will now want to indict Giuliani and possibly Donald Trump Jr. for what he said uh, for supposedly inciting the mob to riot at the Capitol. Many people still believe this. Even Trump, that's why they're impeaching him, even though it's clear they did not incite anybody, just as President Trump did not. But the establishment is desperate to get rid of the people like Giuliani, who have been uh, at the forefront of bringing evidence of election fraud before the public. Alex Jones of Infowars.com has stated that the Capitol Police official who ordered that the demonstrators, who later became rioters, be let in past barriers to the building, is now dead, having reportedly committed suicide. This, again, is another example of how you can tell that there was indeed massive election fraud, which threw the election in favor of Joe Biden. Another example is the bringing of tens of thousands of National Guard troops to cordon off Washington, D.C. for the Biden inauguration, which was attended by almost no one outside a few Washington insider politicians. The usual inauguration events like 
the parade and the ball afterward were canceled over claims of threatened violence by Trump supporters, which never materialized, and the dangers of public gatherings due to the pandemic. Those were good excuses for the likelihood that few people would have attended the inauguration anyway and that it would make it even more clear how little real support there is for Biden's presidency. Beyond that, the Biden people clearly didn't trust even the National Guardsmen there to protect them from the American people they hate and fear. The FBI was ordered to vet the Guardsmen and ensure that no white supremacist Trump supporters were among them. This is a new term now, white supremacist. If you question Biden, you question the election, you're a white supremacist, and therefore you're committing insurrection. But what about Hillary Clinton? Remember? Four years of the Trump presidency, day in, day out. Trump was an illegitimate president. He stole the election. It was fraud. Con- colluded with the Russians. All totally false. That was okay, though. But now if we do the same thing about Biden, we are committing treason. I'll have more to say about that in a bit. But speaking at the, of the riot at the Capitol on January 6th, which I said began before Trump finished speaking to his supporters, whom he directed to peacefully head toward the Capitol building for a protest – Here's audio from an interview with Giuliani by one of uh, by one American news network's Dan Ball on his Real America program, January 18. Play sound by three, please. Guest this evening, he's been combing through all this video evidence night and day, like myself, looking for answers and the truth about what happened last Wednesday at our Capitol. Former mayor of New York City and attorney, and our friend Rudy Giuliani. Welcome back to the program, Rudy. How are you, sir? I am really good, Dan. I really am good I'm, uh, during these trying times, but I feel we're making progress. Well, I hope so. I know, like you, we chatted a little bit before the interview here. Uh, You're upset like I am. I think like millions of Americans are upset. We want to know what in the you-know-what happened last Wednesday because we're getting so many conflicting reports. Now, I've been going through a lot of the video. Uh, We've been looking at this John Sullivan guy and other actors out there, and let's call them what they are, because the minute you look at their background, which is now being deleted on social media, you see they were Antifa, they were BLM. And I'm not making excuses for any Trump supporters who may have done damage and stormed the Capitol. But let's be real. There were other bad actors there. Video proves it to show that there were bad actors inciting the violence. Are those your thoughts? What do you find? Well, I think you, I think you're basically correct. Uh, the reality is. Now that I've had a chance to really investigate it, I mean, I should tell you, I'm, I'm the person who, who, with the help of uh, several people that found Sullivan. Remember, the FBI originally announced no Antifa. Right. From the very beginning, I knew there was Antifa because Sullivan is a self-acknowledged member of Antifa. His now group is Insurgents out. USA. His group is called Insurgents USA. So now we find out that there are about 200 to 250 Antifa members there. So okay. 250 Antifa members can manage four or 5,000 people. That, I mean, they're agents. They're agent provocateurs. And uh, now we also find that Antifa had been planning this for at least a week. They sent out invitations for their people. Well, the first one I can find is January 1st. I've posted all of this online and on my website. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that Twitter took it all down. Right. <laughs> and uh, he even sent one that should have gotten him arrested. He sent one on January 2nd when he said, come to Washington and we'll throw him out of office on January 6th. Now, I used to prosecute threats on the president cases. That's a threat on the president. Normally, the Secret Service would have been at that guy's house. Good chance they'd arrested him. He certainly would have put him on a list. He's saying he's going to get rid of the president on January 6th. Not only that, he's a guy who's under arrest 
in Utah for inciting a riot that led to a murder. Right. This is not some, this is not some like, you know, just nice dude who's uh, no. politically. This is a guy with a history of inciting riots, inciting fatal riots, who writes a tweet threatening the president of the United States. How about and the video from know. August in D.C., really, when they had the BLM Antifa march in D.C., Sounds and he's like up there on the bullhorn saying the F word every second, saying we're going to do this to the president and F this, and we're going in there. I mean, did the FBI not look at that video? What are these investigators doing? You and I Dan, found it in a few I minutes. Have, I have found much less threatening remarks that led to the arrest of people for threatening the president. I mean, no. If you basically say, Insane. I'm thinking about hurting the president, they're going to come visit you. As they should for any president. I, I, I work for Ronald Reagan and I'm the guy who got Hinckley arrested. So I am particularly sensitive to threats on the president. I'm outraged at that. Outraged at that. I mean, what is going on? They want to get the guy killed? So that, that riot was set up by Antifa, by another group called Groiper, which is a right-wing group but a right-wing group that has a gripe with Trump because he's pro-Israel. They happen to be a bunch of sick anti-Semites. Yeah, they're the fringe right-right crazy radical ones that are no, they don't belong with MAGA country and Trump supporters. Some of these guys have been arrested with stuff where they're threatening to kill the president because he supports Israel. It's that bad. And there's a third group we can't identify yet. But the Antifa had a lot to do with the setting up of this. So basically you have two separate events. The rally, totally peaceful rally, it ends peacefully. Nobody runs out of the rally crazy, going nuts. We're not even sure how many people from the rally even ended up at, at the Congress. The entry to the Congress took place anywhere from 15 minutes to a half hour before the end of Trump's speech. So they're breaking in before he's even finished speaking. Yeah, I believe it's 22 or 21 minutes. Based, yeah. based on a plan that they set prior to the speech, including getting, including you can see they have maps of the Capitol. And they come there with bats. They come there with scaling, scaling ladders. Mm-hmm. They come there mm-hmm. with uh, 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 hammers, with uh, mount, mountain climbing equipment. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you know uh, the MAGA people. We don't exactly have a lot of people that can scale walls. Well, and we're not walking around with helmets, <laughs> knee pads, elbow pads, metal uh, or uh, bulletproof vests. And then how about you had pipe bombs at both the RNC and the DNC headquarters. So they were targeting both right. we're gonna do that. political I'm gonna tell parties. You another thing, I can tell you another thing. MAGA people don't hit cops. I'm sorry. One of the reasons they're MAGA people is because they are they hero worship cops. I've been at 100 Trump rallies. I've never seen anyone that's gotten really violent. The worst I've ever seen are a couple of times are a little fight. Yeah, no, we said I said that on last night's show. Over 600 over 600 rallies since 2015. Nothing but skirmishes between a couple people where if some anti-Trumpers showed up, they might have got in a fist fight with some pro-Trumpers. That's it. 600 plus rallies. I got to ask you this, Rudy, because this really got me hot on the collar is the FBI does their press conference on the same day that our president's speaking down at the border. That's not a coincidence. Hello. But then you have the sham of a second impeachment. And then right after it, the FBI releases information that this was planned a week or two in advance by other bad actors. Why didn't they give that information before this stupid impeachment actually went to the House floor so everyone could hear that information? That had to be staged and set up. Dan, I would have to imagine for the same reason they didn't give exculpatory information about Ukraine when they had the hard drive. 
that totally explained that what President Trump was talking about was a real crime. The, 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 it it de- demonstrates that Joe Biden knew everything about the money that the kid was getting in the Ukraine. It also demonstrates pretty clearly it was a bribe to Joe Biden. That should have been turned over to us as counsel for the president to defend him. So I don't know what's going on inside the deep state. Yeah, FBI but, didn't report it. The mainstream media corporate lapdog suppressed it. And what was that last poll right after the election that how many percentage of Democrats said they would have voted differently if they would have known about the laptop and knew that it was real and truthful? I mean, this is just, Rudy, I don't know what the heck's going on with our country. I'm the one who got the hard drive. I know. Uh, the guy the guy gave it to my lawyer to give it to me after he had it with the FBI for eight months. And he said, the only guy I can trust to get it out is is uh, Giuliani. Uh, and what does it what does it reveal? It reveals 30 years of the Biden family making millions selling Biden's office yeah. and they suppress it. Mm. Rudy, my final question, because they're, they're getting ready to wrap me up, but I got to ask you about this because we've seen these images and I want your opinion on what's going on because you've been in and out of D.C. your entire uh, adult life and career. 20,000 troops around the Capitol. That's more than Iraq and Afghanistan, I think combined. I might be wrong on that. This is political theater. They really need 20,000 troops around the Capitol building. There's nobody here. There are more troops here than people right now. Now the Democrats, that is what David Horowitz of the Freedom Center calls the communist left. Are there any Democrats who aren't communists now? Now that they're in power, they're rushing to try to make some kind of Make it some kind of crime. They prefer to call it treason. If you so much as mention election fraud and claim the 2020 presidential presidential election was rigged, as many of us believe. But do you recall Hillary Clinton's famous quote that Trump knows he's an illegitimate president? She made that comment in replying to one of her sycophants. I, th- I think it was, I believe, it was Jane Pauley, asking her, "How are you coping?" with the supposedly stolen election of 2016. Do you recall also Hillary and former Obama CIA chief John Brennan and former director of national intelligence James Clapper and others going on and on every day for years about how Trump was supposedly a Russian agent who stole the 2016 election with Russia's help? Thanks to Trump's director of national intelligence declassifying the documents – We now know that before Brennan, Clapper, and other bureaucrats were pushing this meme daily for years, they had testified under oath and in secret before Representative Adam Schiff's committee in Congress that they had no knowledge whatsoever of any evidence of Trump colluding with Russia to steal the 2016 election. Among those declassified documents, we have a memo from Brennan to President Obama relating that Hillary Clinton had come up with the story about Trump being a Russian asset and colluding with Russia to steal the 2016 election. So this was her idea that he's an illegitimate president. Has she suffered any ill consequences from that? I believe this was done on her part out of hatred for Trump and also to throw the public off the FBI's scrutiny of her for running classified emails through her private home server. I suspect she was doing that to solicit donations to her charitable foundation, which has made her and Bill rich, among other things, uh, including giving speeches in turn, in turn for hope for influence in the government. <clears throat> but uh, be that as it may, she's squeaky clean these days, supposedly. People still believe that Trump was a Russian agent. 
So it's okay for Hillary and the Democrats to rage for years about the totally false narrative that Trump rigged the 2016 election without any suppression of their claims and free speech whatsoever. But if we on the right now question and strongly suspect that Biden and the left rigged the 2020 election, it's insurrection and a criminally punishable offense. Remember what I said are the key characteristics of the left. Vehement, self-righteous hate, fraud, that is deception, and outrageous hypocrisy. One fascinating element of this election fraud controversy is the claim that the electronic voting machines used in the six key swing states and a number of other states had their vote data hacked and huge numbers of votes that were cast for Trump were switched to Biden. Recently, there have been reports that an Italian company called Leonardo SPA, which has a U.S. subsidiary headed by a Clinton, former Clinton administration official and is one of the leading aerospace and cybersecurity firms in the world and is involved with the European Union, I believe, and maybe NATO. And this firm, <coughs> sorry, Leonardo Spa was involved in the – allegedly involved in the vote switch scheme that used their satellites – to move the vote data from the vote manipulators to the vote manipulators, people called data scientists, and back to the voting machines. These people, it's alleged, uh, operated out of the U.S. Embassy in Rome and may have been involved with the CIA. This all has to be proven, of course, but this company, Leonardo Spa, is owned in part by the Italian government and is, in, is involved with the European Union, as I said. It's alleged that Italy's current left-wing government, led by Giuseppe Conte, was aware of this and that it was conducted, as I said, by elements in the U.S. Embassy in Rome, possibly involving the CIA. It's interesting that CIA chief Gina Haspel suddenly resigned without stating exactly why on the day before Biden was sworn in as president. I don't know if that has anything to do with this. But it's very interesting. Whether anything about these allegations can be confirmed as true remains to be seen, but if you want to read more about it, you can visit the website italy-did-it.com. That's italydidit.com, hyphenated, italy-did-it.com. And also another one that is you'll find interesting is uh, intelreform.org. That's I-N-T-E-L-R-E-F-O-R-M. Org. That's the website of Americans for Intelligence Reform. And one of the reputable – one reputable source who's given credence to these allegations is a retired CIA agent, CIA agent Bradley Johnson of the organization he founded, Americans for Intelligence Reform, and that intelreform.org is his website. On his website, there's audio about it from an interview with Johnson on January 6th, same day as the riot at the Capitol in Washington. The interview is posted on the, his website. Let's listen to what he has to say. He lays out the problems with this whole issue, uh, this whole scenario, pretty well. Please play soundbite four. Brad Johnson, it is January the 6th of 2021, an auspicious day in that there was a massive Trump rally. Uh, some uh, Trump gave an extraordinary speech where he detailed straightforward facts that indicate an election steal. I think my favorite one is that either Chicago or Illinois had 139% voter turnout. I mean, that's uh, I think the only place that gets that good a voter turnout was Iraq under Saddam Hussein. Um, I think Fidel Castro would get somewhere in there, too. Yeah, Castro, Castro likely did. Uh, do you want to update us on that and any other election steal news would be great. 
Yeah, it's an interesting and un, kind of unhappy day in that sense. Yeah, Trump laid out a lot of the problems. And it's 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 one of the things like all of this information we've been talking about with Italy, which I have some more information on that. It it and just the analysis of the numbers, you know, those those the election results just don't work the way that they purport this to have worked here in, in these five or six key states. So, you know, something behind the scenes is going on that's wrong. And just, you know, the the Giuliani, the president's attorney, has put out a lot of information on, you know, certified cases of people who don't live in the state voting, people who are dead voting and things like that. And if you add them all up, it's enough to swing the election in the other direction. But and that's that's kind of where, why we find ourselves where we are. It's about half of the United States, slightly less, uh, according to the pollsters, say that they think that the, the election was bogus. And it's a, a goodly percentage of, you know, it's like just under 20 percent of Democrats say that and a much larger percentage of independents and most of the Republicans. So, I mean, you've got, a, you know, about half the country that's convinced it's B.S., now, what's happening on the, the Hill today is that they're going to vote to whether that should be even looked at or not, whether there should be an opportunity to put this up in front of a tribunal that looks at it, supposedly a neutral group that looks at it and says, yeah or nay. But, of course, there's no way Democrats are going to vote for that. They're going to vote against it, and they have the votes to block it, especially when you've got a sizable block of the Republican Party voting with them. Mitch McConnell got up there and basically gave a speech that it's like it's time to just accept the defeat and move on and blah, 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 you know. And he's the Senate Majority Leader. Ted Cruz, also in the Senate from Texas, gave gave a good speech. And he said, look, you know, this is just to to admit that these people have so many concerns, which is nearly half the nation, have should have the opportunity to be listened to on this. So that's kind of where it stands now. It's all getting voted down. So this was kind of the last best hope. But it brings to light the essential problem that the president is having. You know, he just doesn't have the support of the courts. And, uh, you know, we've got these activist judges and all these people. And let me reiterate, activist judge means a judge who doesn't care about the Constitution, doesn't care about the law, doesn't care about his oath to uphold the Constitution and the laws. What he cares about are his own personal political leanings, his own personal political beliefs. And he uses those instead of the law to make decisions. That's what being activist is. And that extends. We've got activist judges, activist politicians, activist law enforcement, activist intelligence people, and that's what they all share in common. They're all liberal, left-wing, progressive, communist, socialists, and for them, their party and their political beliefs are number one, and that is the criteria they use to make their decisions on what's right to do and what's wrong to do. That is the underlying problem that the president of the United States has here. So you have a a, a situation where there's lots of evidence. There's lots of proof. I mean, dead people voting. You go down, look, this person voted, and then look and see they're dead. Okay, that is called proof. But no courts will view it. He hasn't been able to get it in front of anyone to get looked at because they're all, they've all betrayed the president. They all hate the president for whatever reasons they might have. But they've also betrayed their oath of office. They're not doing what they're responsible to do. And even these things like I've been talking about with Italy and so on, I mean, there's there would be more than enough to meet the legal threshold of probable cause. 
And I know behind the scenes, I mean, I, uh, the, the president has come out and talked about it. There's been confirmation from other sources that the president's been made aware of these things. There are some Twitter things that have come out that said the West Wing is fully aware of all this. Uh, so all of that. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things I haven't wanted to talk about, but I know for a fact all that's true. They're certainly aware of that. There's been plenty of confirmation that has nothing to do with me out there that the president and his team are aware of it. Well, that's a fact. And uh, their problem is, like I said, not coming up with proof, not coming up with evidence, but putting it in some sort of the legal system to where it gets looked at. The FBI won't investigate it. The DOJ won't do anything with it. You know, Congress isn't going to do anything with it. The Supreme Court's not going to do anything with it. So where does he go? That's the problem we find ourselves in today. Now, I did want to add, because there's a lot more information coming out on this Italian thing, and this is one of the things where certainly the mainstream media isn't going to report on all of this. They don't even report on those simple things. Like I said, there's these lists of, of multiple thousands of voters who are dead, who voted. And like you say, the uh, place in Chicago where you had 139% voter turnout. But Nobody will investigate it. Nobody will look at it. No authority is willing to look at it. And I think our only, you know, even the, the court of public opinion, where 50% of the people nearly, uh, and that's only an estimate based on these polls, which a lot of conservatives don't take polls. So they're usually under polled and under numbered. So I would, me personally, if they say 50%, it's probably more like 70%. And I think Democrats, if you really, you know, if they could, say it when nobody would hear it, they would admit that they're pretty sure this is a stolen election too. It's just they're happy about it. So they don't want to do anything to try and damage that. But we all we have is the court of public opinion. That's it. And, and how far that will take us, I don't know. But these things I've talked about in Italy going on, where you, we've really got a, more than enough information to meet the threshold of probable, probable cause, it just got taken a little bit further. I just wanted to some other reporting that came out in a press release yesterday named the State Department official who is posted to the embassy in Italy. His name is Stefano Serafini. And so that was the guy, State Department employee, meaning U.S. Department of State, a diplomat posted to the embassy in uh, in Rome, an American posted there. And uh, he was the guy that they report was put all of this together. And supposedly the day before elections, he retired. Everything was all set up. Everything was tested. The system was ready to roll. So he retires and comes back to the Washington, D.C. area now as a private citizen. Now, interesting, if all of this is true, very interesting. Certainly that would make a lot of sense in the scheme of things because then he cannot be deposed. He can't be inspected by the IG, the inspector general. Uh, he can't be questioned by State Department. He's a private citizen. So unless you're going to arrest him, and there's a case opened against him. Uh, he's scot free. There's nothing anybody can do to touch him. So if you if you're just looking at that, I mean, I look at that and analyze it and go, OK, that's part of a planning process that shows this was part of a, a conspiracy, a large group of people planning all of this. So, I mean, it, it's possible it's pure coincidence, but it's also possible that that guy did this all as part of the planning. And and uh, certainly the people around him back in the embassy, it would be nice to see them questioned. But. You know, I just don't see any of this happening. You know, nobody's moving to do it. One of the other things that came out in that same press release is they talked about a guy named Arturo uh, D'Elio. Again, in this case, it's an Italian who worked at the company Leonardo. And if everyone recalls, Leonardo was the company that was doing the satellite link. So they had 
They encrypted the information that, that was manipulated in the embassy by those guys that we've talked about many times that are the data scientists. They did. They got it already manipulated. The data changed the results of the election, encrypted it and sent it back up through the Leonardo uh, satellite. Now, supposedly this guy, the Elio, has testified in Italian federal court that he's laid the whole thing out. Now, I haven't confirmed it. I haven't found that reporting yet. Although people in Italy that send me notes have said, oh, yeah, there's a lot coming out on this. I haven't found that one. But again, if this is true, you have guys in Italian federal court coming out and say, yeah, we did it. This is how we did it. And, you know, we used the satellite, blah, blah, blah. He apparently gave the details of how this whole thing was done. And we've got the name of a State Department employee that was supposedly doing it. We've got the photographs of the uh, data scientists who on loan from MI6 to CIA that were in Rome manipulating the data. You know, you've got a, a lot of the pieces of the puzzle there. Like I said, that long ago meets the threshold of probable cause. And if we had an honest DOJ, an honest uh, FBI, people would have looked at this. And now, and, and do let me clarify, by honesty, I'm not talking about the rank and file everywhere. You know, the FBI offices out in the hinterland and the different parts of the United States I'm sure that most of those people are loyal, normal, loyal U.S. citizens, all of that. But at leadership level, when you get around D.C., it's all bad. You know, you can't really point to somebody and say they're good. I cr often criticize the leadership of the CIA, but I clearly recognize there's people in the CIA that are good people. Uh, but most of them have to keep their head down, walk quietly around the hallways. The leadership is is not. They're just they're part of this activist group of people that put their political beliefs first. And that is our, our just you know, underlying problem with all of this. And how do we overcome it? The one person that was in position that would have drained the swamp that would have been willing to do that is, is President Trump. Now, you, you know, we all know a President Biden is not going to do any of that. If anything, he'll begin to cover all this stuff up and destroy the evidence. That's, that would be his goal out of all of this because of, you know, all of the reporting out there on the ties to China and getting money and the bribes and the supposed compound that got raided in Ukraine and all of that. So how do we overcome? This is our issue. How do we overcome corrupt, the politically corrupt leadership that exists in all of our federal agencies, most especially the Department of Justice and, the, and our preeminent federal law enforcement organization, the FBI? How do we overcome that leadership so that Cases like this where there's clear possible cause. Cases in the United States are opened probably every day on a lot less than this that I'm just describing in Italy uh, as, as being used as probable cause. And those guys end up in jail. You know, there's thousands of people sitting in jail that where the case got kicked off for a lot less information for probable cause than what, you know, what we're projecting is has happened here. So it's it's a it's a real mess. It's one of these things where President Trump uh, is not going to make any any progress today. So what happens now after the sixth? And where is there going to be an honest uh, senior federal law enforcement official of any kind to do this? And we're at this sad point in life where it may be that there isn't a single one. And that that seems to be where we find ourselves. I thought Johnson did a pretty good job of laying out the problems we're facing with getting these allegations of election fraud aired. Shocking, saddening. We wanted to believe we had a real country. We wanted to believe that 
our elected officials, our appointed officials were concerned about the Constitution, but we're finding that's not the case. They're finding appalling corruption. But as I said earlier, I am not ready to give up on our republic. Here's some things I believe are absolutely necessary to accomplish in order to eventually take back our country, regardless of what comes with the many questionable things that happened in the 2020 election. Number one, we must reform and correct our election systems, particularly in those key swing states, but also anywhere else where they're using electronic voting machines that can be easily hacked and votes manipulated. Unless it can be conclusively established that what's used in these states can be used without any possible interference and vote manipulation, then go back to using only paper ballots. Also, return to strict voter ID requirements, chain of custody of the ballots, signature verification, and the like. Doing away with these things, as was done last year, in, is insanity and encourages staggering fraud, which I'm sure it did. Second, judicial reform. We must also find ways to rein in and remove activist leftist judges who interpret laws only as tools for advancing their ideology. There is also – this is also true of the so-called conservative Republican jurists who are masquerading as conservatives or are compromised through fear, extortion, bribery, or what have you. We need citizen groups which will file ethics complaints against these bad judges, work to vote them out if they are elected, or impeach them if they are appointed. And we, are, and we likewise need to have citizen oversight to ensure that such corrupt judges don't get elected or appointed in the first place. Number three, get rid of mail-in ballots. Now, I'm not talking about absentee ballots, which require proof of registration, voter registration and so forth. But these mail-in ballots, this was planned, I'm sure, along with the pandemic as part of the plot to get rid of Trump. We need to get rid of these ballots, as I said, and or have strict enforcement of requirements for their use in elections, such as laws requiring that they are specifically requested by voters, are carefully handled and counted, etc. And there must be no more situations where Republicans or Democrats, for that matter, are denied the opportunity to view ballots and question their authenticity and legality. Regardless of what comes out of our now sadly corrupt Supreme Court – Denying Republicans access to see and challenge ballots is obviously a denial of due process and equal protection under the Constitution. Blatantly unconstitutional. How can our courts refuse to look at this? It makes you so frustrated. These things must be enforced with armed law enforcement personnel if necessary to ensure compliance with the election laws, unlike what happened last year on a widespread basis. Fourth. We conservatives and independents constitute well over 100 million of the U.S. population. I'm talking about the people who support Trump, who voted for Trump. Many of them who didn't vote still support Trump. Perhaps more than that, but certainly well over 100 million, I would say. We need news and information sources that bypass the heavily biased Democrat communist propagandists of the mainstream media and big tech organizations. There is talk that Donald Trump may start his own national news network. Who knows? But surely there are others with the financial resources who can effectively do this to bypass the stranglehold the mainstream media and big tech organizations have over the availability and flow of information via television, radio, and internet platforms. We already have some good alternatives such as One American News Network, Newsmax TV, Gab.com, Telegram, Parler, 
if it can be brought back after Amazon Web Services deplatformed it, Rumble.com and others. Fifth, get involved. Let your voice be heard. Write your elected representatives about your views on proposed and pending legislation. Donate to your preferred candidates and causes. Join political and social organizations that reflect your views and vote. Do this while we still have the time before it's too late and you won't be able to do this. Six, let's start using our boycott power. 100 million Trump supporters can make a difference economically. We can make the imbecilic corporations which support leftist lunacy feel the pain by withholding our money from them. You can abruptly cease in you can't you can abruptly cease any and all transactions with the offending party, such as say shopping at uh, Walmart, which said Trump was a sore loser. Walmart buys a lot of Chinese products to sell. Any wonder why they want Trump out out? But suppose Walmart is the only big retailer where you live. Okay. While you look for other options in your area or online, cut back as much as you can. Big tech silencing conservatives? Get off Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you can't do it all at once, start cutting back as much as possible. And I, I know the same thing. I order a lot of stuff on Amazon, but I'm, I'm cutting back. In light of what they've been done, doing, I'm going to see if I can stop as much as possible. I'll still do some of it. I've got a lot of – I have a lot of Chinese products I bought from Walmart and other stores and things. But I'm going to start thinking about this more and more. It's not that we want to see the Chinese people suffer. I want to see everybody everybody peaceful and prosperous. We don't wish that, but we don't want to see our own country destroyed to make other countries better, at least to begin with. Uh, there's ways of helping other people out without destroying our own country. country. But uh, some of these things we have to look at. I mean if there's a big company – look at Bed Bath & Beyond. They're now dropping Mike Lindell's MyPillows, uh, my, you know, the MyPillow guy because he's interested in promoting information about this uh, vote switching. And so, OK, am I going to buy anything more from Bed Bath & Beyond? I don't think so. Twitter and YouTube – let's see. Like I said, uh, if you can't do this all at once, you can start thinking about what you can do. Do what you can, but move in that direction. If you don't want to abruptly cancel your subscription, profile, usage, do what you can to cut back while we find alternatives. And other alternatives will become available as time goes on. We can make a difference this way. All these things need to be done as quickly as possible and effectively as possible. The urgency is readily apparent, and they are imperative we are going to be, take back the republic and save this country from the totalitarian slavery we are heading for now. These things may not be everything that needs to be done, but they are imperative for the immediate future, in my humble opinion. What do you think? That's it for our show today. As always, I hope you found it of value. Look for us two weeks from today in the same time slot, and have a good night.